You got your mama's sunshine. You got your daddy's rain. You're like a piece of heaven in a hurricane. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. We are up on the mountain. We're not off the mountain, we're on the mountain today. And I'm with Pastor Ron Vietti, who's the senior pastor of VBF Church and uh, also a podcaster now and yeah. uh, author. And, and Can't uh, beat him, join him. Yeah, you know, you got to jump in. And I got Vince Sierra with Wait. me, who's running the board, uh, Tom Hollenbeck. I always thought you were Irish, but apparently you're English or something. Um, German. Ger- German. Okay. German. It's a Schallenbeck. Um, so <laughs> we're here today and uh, we're going to talk today about, well, we're going to talk about Christmas a little bit. It's Christmas week. So Merry Christmas to everybody mm. that's out there listening to this. And uh, we hope that you guys are safe this year. We hope you guys are, uh, you know, having a good time and, uh, but also just uh, looking out because there's a lot of crazy drivers out there if you're driving. So. Uh, we love you guys, and we just want you to be safe. But anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about Christmas a little bit, the Christmas story. Uh, it was funny. The other day, we had a game uh, night at our house, and um, we were playing a game where it's kind of like a, a charades type game, but you can use words. And And somebody said, uh, what's the reason for the season? And, I, and and myself and another pastor's son both said, Santa Claus, real fast. <laughs> just to, and then we both, I don't think I would have confessed that. Would we, you, all, we all laughed. I don't think I would have said that. We all laughed about it. And, uh, and it was just, it was, you know, my mind is on uh, other things with, with having young kids, you know. Uh, but the other day, the other morning, I was having breakfast with my little girls and we were able to, uh, we were juicing oranges and we were talking about the Christmas story. And it really, it really meant a lot to me that moment. It was kind of one of the coolest uh, moments I've had with my kids for a while. And uh, so, yeah, you know, you get, you get, you get caught up, right? You get caught up. Aren't we the, all uh, the products of secularization of this holiday to a degree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, again, we, we were talking uh, sometime just a while ago about Santa Claus. Do we, you know, every year people will text me. And they'll do it during Halloween and Christmas. Uh, do we tell our kids about Santa Claus? What do we say? Do we lie? And I think we could go down a rabbit hole in this right now if we wanted. I say that every parent needs to figure it out themselves. Uh, we know that uh, St. Nick was supposedly, according to legend, a real person. And he was born in the 3rd century, about 280 AD. He lives in what is now modern-day Turkey today. And as legend goes, young Nicholas uh, inherited a lot of money knew of a destitute uh, a family that was very poor, I should say, that uh, lived nearby that had three daughters. And, and the legend goes on and sometimes says that those daughters were going to be sold into prostitution. So he was rich. He got some gold, put in a bag with a bunch of goodies, opened the window of their house, put it in anonymously and left. Legend goes on later to say, no, the window was locked, so he put it down the chimney. And so we know there was a real man, at least according to legend. We don't know that. But as legend goes, and he was, I think, born in December or whatever. So uh, Santa Claus, you know, uh, again, I don't want to go on a rabbit hole with this. But if you guys have anything you want to say about it, I mean, I, you know, what do you tell your kids? I, I obviously took the old line when my kids were young and just said, hey, you know, here's the truth about it, blah, 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 blah. And then I played off of St. Nick. And there you go. Others, I think, uh, you guys are a younger generation, some mm-hmm. of you. Uh, do the elf on the shelf, Santa Claus or whatever. So just add to that and then we'll move on out of this. I think at some point you have to address because he's everywhere, right? So then your kids, once they start getting to the age of, hey, who is that, right? Um, And then I think, like you said, every parent needs to have an answer ready for when that question comes. Are you going to tell them that this is a person who a long time ago did this? 
Or are you going to tell them that it's somebody who lives in the North Pole and flies everywhere in one night? You know? How many Christians have prayed about this? I mean, actually take it to the altar and say, God, what is your will for how I tell my kids about Santa Claus? I, one year, I might have really, might have traumatized Josh. I don't remember if he was little or whatever, but I was walking through the mall and Santa Claus says, hey, Pastor Ron, he shouted out as loud oh. as he could. Oh, wow. And it was a guy in our church, I guess. I, I suppose I never. Josh like, see, Santa yeah. Claus is real. He knows your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows your name. Yeah, uh, no, I, my, 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 I grew up not believing in Santa. Um, and uh, some of you guys will think that's a sad upbringing, but it wasn't too bad. I was, I was the kid that ruined it for your kids uh i apologize <laughs> but uh no i i grew up and and it was okay you know i um i didn't miss anything but i, I think that uh my wife grew up differently she grew up where you know santa was uh something they believed in and she has really good memories of that and so we uh we take a pretty pretty chill uh you know uh kind of uh, attitude toward it i, I think that we, we do the elf on the shelf as well and we do the santa thing all these kids are doing it and um, we want our kids to enjoy i, I think that kids at that age have a huge imagination anyway. They believe in unicorns. They believe in fairies. They mm-hmm. believe in all kinds of things. And um, as they get older, they start to, to lose that belief. And I think it's important to instill a sense of belief in, in your kids. As, as uh, See, that elf on the shelf would have freaked young. me out when I was little. would have freaked me out <laughs> to see him moving around. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, but the legend it. goes on, too, that a bunch of nuns later took up the, the tradition and they would make a bunch of goodies and put them on people's doorstep anonymously, and they would write from St. Nicholas. Well, and the, so the, the good that's thing is, the way is, the legend goes. The good mm-hmm. thing is, is there's an easy transition from Santa to Jesus, I believe, and in, in, in teaching your kids. And we, and we teach our kids about Jesus, that Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, that Santa knows that, that the elves know that, you know, that everyone knows that. And uh, I, I, the transition would be that it's about giving, right? It's about, it's about, it's yeah. about giving and um and uh, not just receiving, right? Kids can get caught up in that. I think of that movie, the classic uh, Kindergarten Cop, right, where they're running through the mall to get uh, this toy and they trample everyone. I, people can get caught up. I'm That's glad. Jingle, all, it's the jingle way. all the way. Jingle but yeah, all the way. We got you. Same, same, actor. same actor. Yeah. Sorry. Kindergarten Cop's another Arnold Okay, so I'm not movie. the best with Christmas movies, obviously, so yeah. I apologize. But my, I love Jingle All The Way. So my, wife, to... my wife has, like, the list of all the movies, and she knows exactly But see, I just thought of this today. I never have thought of this before. That really, boy, it's a new twist to giving gifts to one another. Because, you know, what does it say in the Bible is one of the best ways to love God mm. is to do unto others. Yeah. Uh, if you give a cup of cold, of cold water to someone in his name, said, you've done it to me. Yeah. If we buy a burger for someone, Jesus says, you've done it to me. Whatever you've done to them, you've done it to me. So in that sense, one of the best ways we can love God is by giving to one another. Right. And if there was some way we could give our gifts in Jesus' name, like, you know, hey, we're giving this to you. Because it makes God happy for, to see you blessed. Well, I think it's good to teach uh, our families that, you know, teach them that, uh, teach our kids that um, we are doing this. We are exchanging gifts because we were given the greatest gift of all. Um, I was thinking about Christmas the other day. Actually, a couple of years ago, I started really studying uh, the uh, the basis of Christmas, the uh, origin of Christmas and why we celebrate it, you know, this time of the year, because they, scholars don't really fully agree on when Jesus was born. Nobody really knows. And so the church at one point had to make a decision and they chose to celebrate his birth on the darkest night of the year. And um, the pagans had already kind of claimed that, that, that time as their, uh, you know, um, 
as their tradition to do pagan sacrifices and there's the winter solstice and right. all that stuff. Uh, but the church said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ on the darkest day of the year. And to me, that is, is what God does. He always, he always puts a light in the middle of the darkness. And that's what he did. He brought the tiniest light in the form of a baby, right? Brought the tiniest light, and that light began to shine more and more each year as Jesus got older, as he got older, shined more and more. And then he died, and the light went out for a minute. And then he came back and the light was given to all of us. And so I think that that idea that, uh, that the church had, whoever had that idea, that was a blessed idea. And so the fact that we are celebrating Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of something new, right? In Christmas, a week later, it's a new year. And it's also a time to just kind of refresh and think about, you know, um, you know, not necessarily have New Year's resolutions. If that's your thing, that's fine. But to just kind of have a refresh, mm. a reset, right? Mm-hmm. right. And if God's in this whole thing, I mean, can we pray about what presents to give people? Mm-hmm. Going, God, I know you want me to bless them. And so I wonder how many Christians uh, don't do this. I mean, I don't. I didn't do it. I did this year on one present. I prayed about what I should get uh, my grandson. And uh, it so happened that I came up with this phenomenal, cool idea. And his mother told him, said, Papa has really got you something good. And right away he guessed. He said, I hope it's this because I hinted at this. And I hinted and I hinted. Uh, and it's like the Holy Spirit reminded me. But uh, uh, do we have a responsibility at this time of the year? Because we know for a fact that sometimes during these holiday seasons, there are a lot of suicides. Right. Um, and, and there are people in our church that have lost children this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, come on. Do we have a responsibility probably at this time of the year that we don't have at other times of the year? To pray for people. Yeah. Uh, I love to see the, the holiday come, but I'm also kind of relieved when it leaves. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine well, going through Christmas and your three or four or five-year-old died that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot imagine how I would get through that if people weren't praying for me. And I think people put a lot of burden on themselves too with thinking I got to have the best gift for my kids or they can't keep up with other people's gifts or they need more Christmas presents underneath the tree. And so all that adds extra stress. And so there's a lot of people that can't really afford to give so much extra during this time of the year. When we put that stress, they talk about um, credit card debt being one of the craziest things that surges out of control all this time of year and people can't pay off their Christmas debt by the next Christmas. Oh, you see stress so, on people's faces. They get so out of control. Store. And then all that stuff leads to suicide. It leads to yes. family problems late earlier in the year. And so all that stuff, yeah. So you talked about being, has have we become, you know, has it become a secular thing for us? And I think, yeah, because of all the stress that you put on yourself and then add all the stuff, like you said, missing loved ones. We have responsibility, time. people in jail. I mean, again, I'm not oh, being a Debbie good. Downer. Right, going, right. Ho, 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 let's talk. But we have responsibility. Absolutely. And we need to think about it and hold these people up in prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, divorce people that don't get to be with their kids on Christmas. Uh, like I say, people in prison and jail. So I'm, again, not being why, a Debbie Downer. We just need to be but uh, that, cognizant that, of it. That's why us, the church, that's why we need to make sure that we keep the focus on Jesus because the, the, the darkness is real. And right. for some people, it's uh, darker than ever right now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for those of you guys that are having a hard time, that have lost loved ones, I'm thinking of a few people yes. that I know right now. Um, realize that God did give us a light. He did give us hope and yes. he did give us eternity. And I believe that when we get to heaven, we are going to be so shocked at how much his grace and love uh, was all along. 
And, and so, um, you know, the fact that we have Jesus is just, it's, it's, it's unfathomable, right? It's, it's really difficult to fully grasp and understand what that gift is. And I was thinking too, dad, the other day, um, I was talking to my kids when I was juicing, when we were uh, having breakfast and talking about that Christmas story, like I talked about earlier, um, we started talking about uh, protection and I, I said, it's interesting that, G- that God brought this little baby down, you know, and this baby would grow up to be our savior, but this baby had to be protected. And so I asked my girls, I'm like, who did, who protected him? And uh, you know, one of them says the angel and the other one says the wise men. I said, that's right. And Mary and Joseph, they protected this baby and the people around, they, they all knew who he was. The shepherds, they knew who he was and they, they protected him uh, from Herod, who was a real enemy. And, and behind Herod was the devil and he wanted right. to kill him. Right. And so there was all this, uh, uh, danger around around Jesus. He was even born in uh, a manger, which was not sanitary. It wasn't a good place to be right. born. It wasn't a protected place. There wasn't, uh, you know, four walls. It was it was it was it was a very vulnerable place. And and the fact that God uh, created this, but then also uh, gave a spirit of protection to all the people, mm-hmm. makes me think of what the church is and and, and what we're supposed to do now. And um, how we're supposed to protect each other now. And I think that you mentioned it, Dad. You said the one thing we can do uh, to protect each other the most is to pray. Yes. And uh, But then if God puts something on your heart to give or to call or sometimes just a text message, you know, right. or a, phone, a fo- real phone call, right? Yeah, yeah you, you hate to even bring that up because I mean, people say, well, you know, you're a real Debbie Downer. Right, bah humbug, right. Uh, yeah, bah humbug, but... Uh, we need to be cognizant of the fact a, that it's our duty to hold up people during this. Time I don't think it's prayer. a sad thing though for people to, uh, if people knew how how much of a blessing oh, it is to reach out and to yes. give to other people. Um, is it not more blessed huge, to give man. than receive? Yeah, it, it really. I mean, is. come on, you parents know that, don't you? Yeah. Absolutely. Isn't it yeah. more fun giving your kids gifts than 100%. it was for you receiving gifts? One hundred percent. And I think too, just you know, with the pressure of parents, if you feel like you're, you know, like I don't have the money to get my kid this or that. I mean, and you can you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I remember so many just experiences with my parents. I, you know, I don't ever think about oh, my parents didn't get me this this one Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, and we didn't. I didn't grow up rich. My parents didn't get me. There was one Christmas where I got something that was amazing, but outside of that, I don't. I don't remember. Like it's like I couldn't tell you what I got at, when when I was eight years old for yeah. Christmas. I remember spending time with my dad and my mom and doing. So it's like it's such a small part. So don't burden yourself with yeah. trying to keep up. Like do what you can within your means. Get something. The church is a great support. If you actually, you know, if you need a gift for your kid, we have a, you know, that we can help you and support yeah. you during that time. And I single think one moms. Of my, one but, of my best memories, Dad, is when we were kids and you'd say, okay, everybody get in the car. We're going to go look at the Christmas lights, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. experience. And we would go to the rich neighborhood. That's true. Christmas <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was an experience. Being in the, in the car with your family and yeah. hanging out and singing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's and if there just about. happens to be anybody listening to us right now that can't afford a present for their kids, please get to us. Oh, yeah. Let us know. We would love to help you. Uh, let's go back right now and let's make a turn. Let's get more spiritual here. Let's look at four or five of the characters on the first Christmas story in the Bible. And we'll start off looking at Mary. Now, this was a very young young gal. We don't know her exact age. What have you heard? Probably 15, 16, right, really somewhere young. in there. Teenager. And all of a sudden, she has this... Uh, this, uh, you know, pregnancy that comes from God, this virgin birth is going to be the outcome. And she finds herself pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's get very real. How did she convey that to the people around her? I mean, what a struggle for her to share this. Mm -hmm. I mean, she knows 
what's going on? Uh, because, you know, the angel told her. But now how is she going to share that with other people? Well, imagine Jewish tradition too. Not only does she find out she's pregnant, her dad in this time, her father would have had to, and I was reading a Jewish commentary about this, <laughs> should have already like basically made a trade with, you know, it was like betrothal. a, a betrothal. Yeah. yeah, like with, you know, another family to say, hey, you're going to marry this person. Yep. So she finds out she's pregnant. And on the other end of this, she's also promises somebody else. So she has to explain that away, not just to the people around her, but yeah. she has to explain that away to Joseph's family and her dad. And then Joseph is also getting the house prepared, right? She, she was probably a solid 25 camel babe too. Right. At the beginning. <laughs> she probably was. Know? Right. And, and she was not a 35-year-old. Is that wrong? This is a young girl years. trying to explain this. She doesn't have a lot of experience in this area. Yeah, because you think about the conversations that she'll have to start having, like, hey, mom, dad this happened to me last night, you know, and, and obviously she's not showing yet, but thinking about all the different people she has to talk to and maybe not even convince, but just, Mm. you know, we get, we get a glimpse of her talking to Elizabeth, but Elizabeth had just gone through something similar. So she's like, yeah, no, I, I totally believe you. No, not a problem. But imagine like that, that conversation with With Joseph, with Joseph and even with Joseph, I I, I put yourself in that mindset. We talked about prophecy last week a little bit. And you said that uh, a lot of the young ladies were hoping that it would be them. And so there was a sense of, you know, this could happen, but when it did happen to one person, there had to be jealousy too. And you know how it is when people are jealous, they, you know, would say, Whatever they say. Well, think they, of the yeah. gossip of the marketplace, the gossip, Josh. Exactly. Oh, man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, she she goes to the market and they go, "Here's that that little merry little trap." Yeah, yeah. She, she says, you know, that the Holy cool. Spirit gave her this child. Yeah. You know, whoa. Yeah, sure. And that Joseph had dumbbells staying with her. Yeah, right, um, right, right. Well, imagine Joseph. He's working on the house. He's getting it ready. And she comes. She's like, "Hey, I'm pregnant." And he's like, "I mean, what? M- most guys would be like, I'm out." Yeah, but yeah. you know what? I'm out. Let's kind of look at the story here. He, he right, with been, who? <laughs> the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that he was a righteous young man. That's true. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why God chose them. You don't think God could have looked down beforehand going, who could I trust with this situation? Right. What about the word righteousness? I, I always, uh, we always talk about it, but what would the definition of righteousness actually be? During that era? No, any era. I mean, what is it? Well, it today to we could get off in that whole thing of I'm righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, blah, 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 blah. Okay. But uh, I think Joseph shows righteousness when he heard about this. He said he desired to put her away privately. He didn't want to hurt her. Yeah. So can we say righteous in that uh, story or in that scenario was doing things the right way? Yeah, I think God's way. I think mm-hmm. that that's always the definition. And the only way that we can do things God's way now is through Jesus and through salvation. And so, uh, yeah, it's just doing the right thing, being in the right. And uh, how often do we think about that, especially this time of year? Uh, what is the right thing? You know, what, what, do you, what does it feel like? Women could answer this better than men. Yeah. To be holding Messiah. Wow. Holding him. Yeah. The Savior, the potential Savior, not potential, the event. Eventually, the eventually, yeah. I'm tight, tongue tight here. Yeah, eventually, the savior of the world right. you're holding him in is in your arms. Mm-hmm. And then I've said it before, Mary, this has got to be crazy because she carries Jesus mm-hmm. for nine months, gives birth to him, sees him die on a cross, mm-hmm. he resurrects on the day of Pentecost, he comes back, and his spirit comes to live inside of her again. She carries Jesus twice. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. It did it feel she the same? Carries Jesus twice. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, now he's he's ascended, and we go on and on. She and also on. had to be the type of person that was confident in the way of letting go, because she had to let go of Jesus. 
uh, multiple times. You know, she had to let go of him as a young man, let him oh, learn, yeah. let him go to the synagogues. And ultimately she had to let go of him uh, to be the savior, uh, to be Jesus, to walk around and do these miracles. She had to let go. And then she had to let go ultimately of him and on the cross. And, and, and that is a character trait that, um, is far and few between of people being able to sac- truly sacrifice. Like sacrifice means to let uh, to have a real loss, right? Mm. It means to let go. Let me ask you a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it somewhere. Uh, do you think, like I do, that usually when God's going to allow you or cause you or lead you to go through a big trial? that he prepares you beforehand for that trial. Do you think that's true? Yeah, in, in, yeah, in some ways, right? Because in some ways you're like, yeah, well, I, I, I was prepared for this. In other ways, I feel like there was there was this, the soft voice saying like, hey, you need to go this well, way. Well, let's whatever. think about Mary for a second. Now, I, I, I've already preached on this, but uh, I believe firmly that Jesus was not born in a, a stable outside of the inn, whatever. Well, he, was, he was born in a place called Migdal Eater. And I, the people that, that attend church uh, with us, they, they know I talk about this a lot. Migdal Eater uh, is, is spoken of in the Bible. In Micah, in Genesis, it was called the Tower of the Flock. Right. And it was a, a place in Bethlehem right outside of Jerusalem where they, 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 did, had, they had a specialty in raising lambs. They raised the lambs that were going to be used for temple sacrifice. And so they raised these lambs. It was a tower where they could stand on top and see over the countryside. Down below is where the lambs were, were given birth. And, of course, he was, he was put in a feeding trough. That's what the Greek says, a feeding trough. And he was wrapped in swaddling cloth, which when these baby lambs were born, to be a temple sacrifice, they had to be without blemish. They had to be, you know, a certain age, one year, male, whatever. And so in that rocky terrain that we have actually seen when we go visit Israel, these lambs would uh, probably go out if they weren't protected, and they'd probably cut themselves up and skin themselves up, uh, playing among all the rocky terrain. So they'd wrap in swaddling cloth. So when he was born there, which I believe is why we'll say in a minute that there was no room in the inn. It was, a, it was one of the purposes of God for him not to be in the inn, but to be in Migdal Eater. And so when he was born there, uh, they would immediately probably saw the uh, the cloths uh, probably folded, laying around. They might have been hanging on hooks. Uh, it had to be readily available for the sheep that were born. So they wrapped him in swaddling cloth. And now the shepherds, when they were told the good news about the birth, they knew right where to go. They went right up to Migdal Eater. This is my opinion. You can argue it, whatever. Um, but I believe it just makes perfect sense. And so the shepherds, when they went up there and saw him, later on when he was crucified, uh, they would have went, wow, wow, wow. It all makes sense now that the Lamb of God, and, and John the Baptist knew when he saw him, he said, there's the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who was going to pay the ultimate penalty for sin. The sacrificial lamb was born in a place where the sacrificial lambs were born. I mean, it's crazy. Now, uh, when the shepherds came and told Mary this story, it says that everybody marveled. And, and, and if you look at that word in the Greek, it means to to start to tear apart uh, piece by piece and put everything together to speculate. It means to, to really start thinking, putting pieces together. And it says that Mary pondered this in her heart. So I think when it came down to the crucifixion, she thought back probably going, wait, he was supposed to be a sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. It was meant from day one. Right. And that was one of the ways God's prepared her for that trial. And then, of course, she got to carry Jesus twice. I don't know if I got off too much there or not, but no, that's this good. is very important, no. the story, I yeah. think. Yeah, it is. Especially around Christmas, you don't hear stories like this. You yeah. know, this is well, a- you know what, what, what blows me away is Migdal Eater. 
And I, I told the congregation that I, I went to prayer because I was confused about him being born in a stable. It just didn't set well with me. And God turned me on to McDowell Eater. I don't hear anybody preaching about it hardly. A lot of theologians know about it. It's all over the internet. But a lot of uh, common preachers don't know about it. But let's move on there to Joseph. Okay, we talked about Mary. Uh, do you want to say the last thing about Mary before we go to Joseph? Mm-mm. No, I, ju- I mean, just timing there too for Mary. I mean, just being young, I think, you know, God had a plan for her. And like you said, prepared her ahead of time and just the perfect time. And I going transitioning to Joseph, I think about, you know, the fathers having that transaction for, you know, for Mary and just that timing. Cause if you imagine like the angel couldn't, couldn't have come before she got, you know, promised to, to Joseph because the angel would have came before that Joseph probably wouldn't stayed with her. You know, no, the, no. He, she had to be pre-promised to Joseph for it all to work. So let me God's ask you timing. a question. Did Joseph ever believe it? Now, we know an angel appeared and right. stuff like that, but still, could he have had doubts the rest of his life? We don't even know what happened to Joseph. I mean, I think he did believe it. I think, I think the angel convinced him, but, uh, but, but what happened to Joseph? He disappears out of the story. Was he the one who taught Jesus how to be a carpenter? I mean, was he a dad for a long time? Then he disappears. Hmm. Maybe he had a hard time believing it later on. You never know. I mean, maybe he had doubt. You know, I don't know. I mean, we know human nature. Yeah, you don't know. Uh, but, but maybe he just wasn't uh, part of the story at that point either. Maybe he was a good guy. Maybe he just continued to do his thing. He already played his part. Right. And uh, Similar the, rest to Mary- of it, the rest of his job and the rest of his life is to raise the rest of his boys. Because, you know, right, Mary, other kids. Mary yeah. was busy with Jesus and she might have favored him, you know. Sure. How uh, how hard would that be? I know for you guys, you guys have, you have multiple kids. I have multiple kids. I have four. You guys have two each thinking that you have other kids like to favor. Yeah. Like that would be really, really hard. You know what I mean? Not to, to favor or not to favor kids. Right. It'd be kind of tough. Or, or, or do you think, should, you know, Joseph and Mary, they were, they were more made sure that he was protected because of, of the role oh, that he I'm had sure. to play. Oh, definitely. You know, so they probably were feeding him like organic stuff opposed to the fast food. They got the other kids. <laughs> I don't know. You know? I don't so I think what they would were you too feed poor. Messiah? Yeah. yeah right. I think they were too poor probably for that. I bet, I bet he got sure, angel but. food cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, cause that, that has to be that something. Was dumb. That, that was dumb. <laughs> I mean, it has to be something that is, is very specific because what kind of man was Joseph we don't know a whole lot we do know a little bit of his character but I I believe that um you know that's where Jesus learned how to be a carpenter right he's a carpenter's son is what's mentioned in in Mark chapter 6 and um but I still do think that Joseph taught Jesus little ways on how to be a man um because we do know we see Jesus talk about his relationship to the father and we know that he um, I like to think of it a little bit simplistically that where did Jesus learn to go away and pray? Who did he learn that it's from? True. Was that Mary or was that Joseph? Right. You know, cause there's, I, a- I honestly think that Joseph, I don't think he was a doubter. I, I honestly think he was a man who had a lot of integrity and, um, continued to have that integrity throughout his life. And I think he just didn't want to get in the way. And I sure. think that, that, that there's something to be said about that. The story wasn't about him. It wasn't about right. him. Right. And uh, the fact that he was able to say, I'm going to sit back and uh, I, I'm going to do my job as a dad. Right. Um, Will he get a I'm special reward in heaven, do you think? Oh, I for sure. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we talked about uh, earlier at the beginning of this that we were going to move on to kind of current events. I haven't got to the innkeeper yet. Oh, okay. All right. Um, we've, <laughs> which the, will lead into the, yeah. The, the innkeeper, well, then the wise men, we got two real quickly I wanted to discuss. Yeah. Now, the innkeeper was in my sermon, if you heard it last week. Mm-hmm. And the innkeeper, what did he do? He said, there's no room in the inn. Right. And 
I said earlier, and I'll, I will repeat what I said Sunday, that the innkeeper, he had no idea who he was dealing with when they said, is there room for me and my pregnant wife? Had he known, obviously he would have made room. And what would he have done? Like Las Vegas put a sign, Messiah born here. Mm-hmm. He could have really capitalized right. on it. But, but as I said Sunday, and I just want to briefly mention it, that the innkeeper, um, he was used by God to tell them that there's no room in the inn. Mm. There wasn't supposed to be room in the inn because God wanted Jesus to be born in Migdal Eater. So, and I did say, and I want to repeat it here, that very often closing doors on people uh, is part of your your ministry. Mm. Um, and then also when God closes doors on us, when we're praying for something, God closes a door. That closed door is very often an answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that very often. The, the innkeeper was used to close a door so Jesus would be born somewhere else. And sometimes we're used to say no to people. We're used to be a vehicle vehicle of a closed door. Right. And, and that's why we have such verses in the Bible as, you know, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean into your understanding. I don't know why I'm telling you no. I I'm, I'm no, don't know why I'm telling you I can't right. do that. I don't know why I'm telling you that I have to let you go as an employee. You can't work here anymore. Uh, and I could go on and on and on, but this innkeeper, and I don't know if you, if you want to add to it, he, he, we give him the bad rap sometimes. He was fulfilling God's will by saying there's no room in the end. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard conversation to have with people saying, you know, you want to say yes to people. Something may seem really, really good, but you have to say no for them to get something great or something better. Because if you say yes to them, you might be disabling them. You might be sending them down a path they're not supposed to be going on. And they're going to miss God's blessing. Like you said, you talked about it a couple Sundays ago when you said, if you say yeah, if you you know, if you said had said yes to a couple employees that you had worked with, they wouldn't be the doctors they are today. They wouldn't be the people that they are today because you would have been keeping them yep. back by saying yep. yes. You know that part of the story. I like it because uh, Joseph and Mary. You'd think they had every detail already given to them by the. I mean, they had been visited right. by an angel. You think you would have given them the exact right. roadmap, but there were parts in the story where they just did what they thought was obvious. They thought what they should do. They're like makes sense, you know. And God stopped them and he redirected them. And so sometimes I think we worry, we get, we get stuck in our lives and we feel like we can't go anywhere, can't do anything unless we know exactly what God is calling us to do or telling us to do. Uh, but sometimes you just, you just do what makes sense. You go with sense. the flow. And yeah, and, and, and God will, he will intervene. And especially if you're listening, you're staying connected, um, he will show you the right way. If you go back today to the words that James and Peter gives us to rejoice in trials, uh, now, with hindsight, we go so back and, and, and Joseph and Mary just said, praise God, you know, no room in the end. Praise God. Now, right. what does he have for us? Right. Yeah. But that's so funny to think that, you know, they weren't like entitled people. It wasn't like, do you even know who we have? We have the Messiah of right. the world. And, you know, they didn't like throw a fit, a fit at the end. They just, they, they moved on. But that's crazy because I think a lot of times us Christians, we have expectations or we think certain things are promised to us and it's like something doesn't go our way and it shatters us. That's a good point. Where we should be moving to the next thing that God has for that us. That is a good point. They didn't take the innkeeper aside and say, listen, dude, we got to tell you something. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. We've got Messiah right, in here, right? right? right. Yeah. You need to find room. They didn't, they didn't use the Messiah card. They didn't use the, yeah. they didn't use the card, yes, exactly. Well, going on to the wise men. Mm. Now, again, our nativity scenes are all messed up, right? We got camels, which the wise men probably didn't even ride camels. They probably rode horses, more than likely. Mm. We have three, and there could have been dozens. We think three only because of the three gifts. And uh, so we have this all messed up. The wise men at the stable, and obviously or at uh, Migdal Eater is, is the way I would say it. But they didn't show up for some time later. 
But the wise men, and I made this point in my sermon, uh, they were raised, they came from Babylon, we think, Persia. That's what most everybody thinks. And uh, if they came from Persia, which we think they did, the Babylon area, we know the Jewish people were in captivity there. And Daniel was there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was there. And all these God stories happened, the lion's den and the fiery furnace. And, and more than likely, it's Babylonians, a lot of them were converted. And they probably remembered well these stories of Daniel in the lion's den and the fire. And they passed them down from generation to generation. Right. And these wise men could have even been believers in the Jewish religion. Mm -hmm. And they were watching for a star. Now, Daniel had told them the days, remember? In Daniel chapter 9, he probably made them aware that, you know, uh, when... Uh, uh, you know, a decree is given to go rebuild and restore Jerusalem. You can count off the years and days and, and you'll come to the Messiah coming into right. Jerusalem. And so they knew the time era. So, so the point I want to make is these wise men, they knew, if, if they knew probably Daniel's word was, was brought down to them. Right. And they said, okay, it, it, it's getting near the time that Messiah is supposed to be born. And because they were astrologers, dash astronomers, whichever, kind of, kind of, there are different things, but I think they had a combination of both. Uh, they were looking for this star, and they were, they were looking at the words that they got from Daniel and looking for signs, looking at the words and looking for signs. They were wiser than people are today. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We were going to go on, and today's plans were to bounce off of the wise men being people who looked at Scripture and looked for signs, looked at Scripture and mm. looked for signs. We were going to continue prophecy, uh, but I think because it's Christmas— I just feel in my spirit that we're supposed to just end it here, make this a short podcast, and wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. And so I don't know, Josh, what do you want to say, or Vince, uh, and we'll kind of just end this thing here today. I mean, obvious stuff, I know, but just keeping the uh, focus on Jesus, the yeah. fact that God gave us the greatest gift of all through uh, a little baby that had to grow up, and um, it's just the story's amazing. You know, it really is. And make sure that you emphasize that with your kids, maybe even before you... Uh, give gifts, you know, maybe before you receive and, and um, exchange gifts. I just think that uh, there's that. And then, and then the thing that we also talked about was to make sure that we look out for others that are hurting. That's huge. Uh, this time of the year. So make sure that you do that. Uh, call someone, yeah, phone call. I mean, a phone call can mean the world to somebody. Yeah, right. and it's just Tuesday. So we still have days. Yeah, right. We have time to redeem this Christmas and do some things differently. And uh, most of all, like Josh has said, it's all about love. Yeah, it's about love, making memories, slowing down. Uh, maybe someone needs to hear that right now. Mm. You have time to slow down. You have time to do things differently because uh, it could be a time of frustration, putting things together and and trying to plan for meals that's, and yeah, and huge. doing the parties and wondering who you forget and if you spend enough and if you got the right sizes. And we need to just chill. And memories are so much greater. Like I said earlier, are so much better than gifts. I mean, just making, making, you know, make cookies with your kids. Go, you know, do something adventurous. Those gifts, they're so temporary, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And those memories last forever. For sure. Have fun, guys. Uh, be blessed and Merry Christmas. We wish you Merry Christmas. God bless. Merry Christmas. Of our family tree. Daddy's ring. You got your mama.
sunshine. You got your daddy's ring. 